0: Welcome back to the podcast, my delicious diet culture dropouts. Thank you so much for tuning in for yet another intriguing deep dive down the anti-diet rabbit hole. I want to start with a huge love to you all and thank you for continuing to listen and support this podcast, which as you know, is completely produced and put out by me on my lonesome alongside a whole lot of editing. And I really appreciate your messages of love and support, especially during this year where things have become pretty rocky with getting podcasts out in a predictable way. I'm really pumped about 2022. And I can, I've got big things afoot. I can't wait to share with you next year. But in the meantime, I really appreciate your listening. And if you love the All Fired Up podcast, help get the message out there by rating and reviewing. A five-star review is always good wherever you get your podcasts or preferably maybe with Apple podcasts, because I'm really trying to target that. Uh, The more this message gets out, the more likely it is that diet culture falls onto its knees and I can go off and become a florist like I've always wanted. And if something about diet culture is pissing you off, let's get it off your chest. Send it to me. Send, it, send your rage straight into my inbox. Louise at untrapped.com.au. Tell me what's bugging you. It could be something that's happening in your local community, could be a diet that's getting pushed in your social media, or just something that you've heard around the traps that's really getting up your nose about living in diet culture. I want to hear it. I'm your agony aunt for all things diet. So send that to my email address. Free stuff alert. Who doesn't love stuff that's for free? I have amazing ebook called Everything You've Been Told About Weight Loss Is Bullshit. And that was co-written with the glorious Dr. Fiona Willer, dietitian and amazing podcaster from the Unpacking Weight Science podcast. In this classic resource, we have stuffed it full of fun facts to help you push back against diet culture's bullshit. Essentially, we bust top 10 myths about the relationship between weight and health, and we give you heaps of scientific articles and research resources and overviews giving you the truth about the relationship between weight and health and just how much bullshit is being fed to us it's an excellent resource it's completely free you can download it from the untrapped website untrapped.com.au i encourage you if you haven't already got a copy to grab it and share it as far and wide as possible friends family health professionals everyone needs to hear this message more free stuff. If you have been living in diet culture and you find that you have found it difficult to be at ease in your body, i.e. if you're a human living in diet culture, this e-course called Befriending Your Body is completely free. It's created by me and in it, we I send you an email once a day for 10 days and it's like a little love letter to you every day for 10 days giving you some small messages of self-compassion and practices of self-compassion which are all designed to help you start looking at your body through a different lens through the lens of compassion support friendship appreciation respect and liberation the befriending your body e-course is really easy it doesn't take too much time out of your day and as I said it's completely free so if you want to if you if you're tired of struggling and you're looking for something completely different and something pretty urgent this can be with you in seconds all you need to do to download the befriending your body e-course is go to my insta which is untrapped underscore au and click on the a link in the bio and you will see the Befriending Your Body e-course sitting there waiting to befriend you. Huge hello and big love to everyone in the Untrapped online community. Without Untrapped, this podcast wouldn't be able to be produced. Untrapped is an online masterclass in the art of everything anti-diet, and it was co-created by me and 11 other health professionals working in this space. It's an incredible program, very comprehensive, all online so you can do it at your own pace and in it we go through all kinds of stuff like recognizing and waking up from diet culture bullshit, reconnecting in with your body signals and repairing your relationship with food, uh, with your body and with moving your body in joyful ways. And one of my favorite aspects of the Untrapped Masterclass is the online community that we've created. We've been running since 2017 can you believe it and we have built up this incredible group of people we meet every week in a Q&A and we've we've completely bonded and I think most of the power of Untrapped um, is in this community so if you are looking for a change And if you don't want to do it on your own, think about joining us in Untrapped. You can find out more from looking at untrapped.com.au and we would absolutely love to have you. So on with the show, my guest this week, oh my gosh, I mean, this is a completely mind-blowing episode that I hope that you've um, got somewhere nice to relax and really take some time to absorb the awesomeness of what you're about to hear. So look, it's Christmas time, diet culture bullshit, no matter where you live on the planet, it's at an all-time high at this time of year. The pressure is on. It is high season for the weight loss industry. And look, we're all feeling a little bit more fragile than usual, thanks to the ongoing bullshit of this year and living with this COVID pandemic. So it's been a complete mindfuck. (laughs) And look, you know, you all know how much I love to rant and, and complain about diet culture, but I think we need a bit of love. And that's what this episode is all about. In this Christmas season, let's pivot into something completely different. So my guest this week, Catherine, formerly Catherine Hack, now known as Catherine, or you might know her on Instagram as fat underscore mystic underscore art or fat mystic. This is an amazing human. Catherine is a fat liberated artist and speaker and she and they sorry she and they are the pronouns they have uh, many intersecting identities including being fat, queer, disabled, poly, ADHD, lipedema, and exvangelical. Are you fascinated? because I certainly was completely fascinated by this human when I saw their art in their Instagram feed. It took my breath away and like kind of hit me in many areas, as you're going to hear about in our conversation. So... I really don't have any more words and I don't want to give anything away, but I think your mind will be blown by this amazing episode, interview, individual. So without further ado, I give you me and the glorious Catherine. So Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm very happy to be here, Louise. Thank you for having me. So tell me what's
1: firing you up? Well, interestingly, I would say that Being fired up hasn't really been my lived experience recently with whether it's diet culture or any kind of oppressive systems. They definitely can feel discouraging, but I have a really deep practice of self compassion. And what I have observed is that the more I live in a state of grace with myself, the more I am kind and consistently really gentle with myself it's almost effortless for me to extend that kind of grace and compassion to other people while also having good boundaries. So I don't let people mistreat me because I live in a fat body or a disabled body or because I'm queer or any of the identities that I live within. And yet I don't feel fire about it. I don't feel anger exactly. I feel, yeah, real contentment and peace in this journey and where it's brought me. And I feel a lot of joy in my life and the grace to handle the challenges that come in living in the body I live in.
0: My goodness. Okay. Everyone wants to know what what cocktail <laughs> is this self-compassion. So you this is so interesting. So you said you've got a really deep practice of self-compassion and that's what got you to this place of, of not being unimpacted, but not being affected in a negative way.
1: And I think sometimes I might still be affected, but it's just that self-compassion is such an effective tool Mm -hmm. that like, even if something does like impact me negatively, I'm able to be present with that emotion with a, a deep amount of a deep resource of compassion and care. And, and so it just doesn't, it doesn't damage me. Like I'll sort of let this emotion move through me. I'll feel it. I won't deny it. I won't suppress it. I definitely don't shove it down in my body. Like I used to, I just feel it. I'm present with it. And then it sort of moves through. So the deep practice started a little, a little while after I was first introduced to the fat liberation movement, it was intellectual information to me that, Oh, wow. Some people are living in fat bodies. And they're like, yeah, I'm fat. So what? Mm -hmm. And I was like, Whoa, that was a revolutionary idea to me. I, I've lived in a fat body since puberty and I felt shame about it my whole life. Around the same time that I learned about fat liberation, I was also diagnosed with a chronic illness. So the name of my chronic illness is lipedema. It's progressive. It's There's no cure for it. And it contributes to the size and shape of my body. It's understood to be a fat disorder. And it happens to accelerate during major hormonal changes. So most humans who have this experience, they see the onset around puberty. And then during childbearing years, during pregnancy specifically, there can be significant advancements. And um, then again, around mon- menopause. My experience was that I lived in a smaller but fat body for most of my life. And then after I had two kids, about 21 months apart, my body really changed radically, impacted my mobility. I took up a lot more space in the world.
0: And for the first several years, there was an incredible amount of shame there. I guess that built on the shame from puberty. You said like it had been there anyway, even though, when were you diagnosed with the lipoedema? I was diagnosed in 2016. Yeah. Okay. So that's fairly recent. It is actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And that's, that's kind of a fascinating thing. Like I talk a lot on my art page about how much my life has changed. Thanks to reconnecting with my body and healing my relationship with my body. I would say that self-compassion is what helped do that. So first it was sort of the information, like there's Mm -hmm. humans out there and these brilliant activists that are brilliant feminist thinkers and like helping me to get new information about Whether or not I'm allowed to exist as I am. I also want to say that, like, humans in the disability justice movements are just so brilliant in how they articulate that dignity is not conditioned, is not conditioned, and ought not be, right? Um, So that was all really, really helpful information. And then what happened is, I was able to apply the information by compassion, you know, like, like learning how to just sit with myself and feel my feelings and validate them. And then genuinely out loud saying to myself, like, Catherine, I'm so sorry. And then I'd be really specific. I'm so sorry. You don't deserve love because of the body you live in. And intellectually, I knew that sentence wasn't accurate, but in my body, it felt true somewhere. And so, yeah, so I, I would just, Acknowledge these, these things that were sort of limiting beliefs. And it was a limiting belief. I, I absolutely am worthy of love in the body I inhabit, you know? And as I started to offer that specific lie, compassion and heal the pain that it caused, I suddenly was in relationships where I felt really loved and seen and valued and desired. Yeah. And so it, changed literally everything That's
0: living body. Yeah. How, how did you learn about self-compassion?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, It really first started with with my body. So learning about fat liberation, I was reading everything I could get my hands on. And then also, I just am a very spiritually curious person. I spent most of my life inside Christian theologies. I was an ordained pastor for about a decade. And then I left that worldview because it was more and more confining. And I started to feel, even though I had sort of these incredible spiritual experiences, what I would now say is, I think the divine doesn't care about dogma. I feel like the divine is willing to engage with us no matter where we are. And it really, really doesn't care about any dogma that we may bring into our desire to connect with whatever is out there. So as a Christian, and I was a Pentecostal evangelical fundamentalist Christian. Wow. um, Yeah. Yeah. That's a mouthful, but yeah. And really rigid thinking, but also there's this Pentecostal element that is very metaphysical. There are a lot of interesting experiences, things like speaking in tongues or getting slain in the spirit. And I had had an incredible experience after experience after experience of of feeling a sensation of being... Completely loved and accepted by what I would now call is just the divine or the universe—that mm-hmm. something benevolent that loves me exists. And now I would even say, like, it, I'm part of it. Like we're all sort of connected as consciousness, you know. So <laughs> I'm still very spiritual, and just I like to refer to myself as a woo-woo bitch these days. <laughs> Are we <laughs> air on this
0: podcast? We encourage swearing on this podcast. <laughs> absolutely.
1: <So bad. laughs> that makes me happy. That was one of the first things that showed up when I stopped being a fundamentalist is I was aware of how much I had edited my language. And now swearing is my fucking favorite thing to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's my fucking favorite thing to do too. It's expressive.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. And it feels freeing to me. So my body started to slow down kind of dramatically. I had had this outpatient surgery that was supposed to be a quick in and out kind of thing. And I had a an incision rip and it, it meant that I was like literally in bed for about six or eight weeks. And then I finally am better enough that I can move around a bit. And then I immediately get vertigo. And it was fascinating because in that particular window, I felt like my body was saying, Catherine, we're gonna sit you the fuck down. We've got some value, and it was an incredibly powerful time in my life where I stopped limiting my spiritual curiosity to what was sort of acceptable within Christian circles. And by that point, I was already no longer a fundamentalist, but I was still attending like like a more liberal-minded Christian church. And the person I was married to was a pretty devout kind of more liberal Christian, but I knew that Christianity was really important to them and our marriage. And It Mm. turned out if I allowed my evolution to take me beyond Christianity, that that relationship would end. And that is what ended up happening. But my body stopped working so I could stop participating in culture, really. Um, And I had two small kids. It was a really strange time. They had to kind of fend for themselves a bit more than their peers because I just couldn't function. And my brain was like my spirit, my brain, whichever was just curious. And we have this, like this amazing technology in our hands. Right. And so I just was following my curiosity. Eventually, I mean, it took me lots of places. Like I did a little time of like, Oh, I'm curious about tarot cards. And so I, I looked into that and then I was like, Oh, I want to learn about like all of our chakras. And, mm-hmm. and I even bought some like stones to like, you know, I mm-hmm. took one of the online quizzes that talked about like, which one of my chakras needs more attention, you know, and <laughs> I need to work on that. And so it was like a game. It was like fun. It was just following my curiosity. And in that space where I was just following anything that was shiny, I was reading more and more about self-compassion. and there was this very specific practice that I had read about and learned about that I started doing and telling my friends about and it was it was this thing where you literally say out loud to yourself, "I'm so sorry and then you be as specific as you can about the belief. Even though intellectually, you know, it may not be true, but that the painful thought and you just say, I'm so sorry. And you just hold space for yourself. And I don't know how it works, except that it does work. And it just shifted those painful things. They just were allowed to move through me.
0: Yeah. I love that because you're, you're bringing like mindful kindness to mm-hmm. the beliefs and thoughts that are happening in the moment. So I'm so sorry that you just thought, oh, I'm so disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're pausing, you're not letting it kind of just sink in. You're right and you're apologizing to yourself. So powerful. Yeah. And it's really
1: been the most affected, I would say, on the old beliefs that have sort of been sneaky, right? We've been we've been very programmed by the cultures we grew up in. That's why fat phobia is so rampant. You know, anti-fatness is everywhere. It's like a global phenomenon that fatness is bad. That's kind of fascinating. What the hell? the world is round and fat is bad yeah yeah but actually and i think that's so interesting like and one of the things i really love about the fat community um is that we are an international global group of humans that are going to push back on this really stupid presumption that our bodies are wrong and i don't know it creates this really inner inter- interesting energy of when you choose your own inner knowledge over the projected information it it is powerful it's an empowering transition and so you turn the volume up of your own inner space above the chatter of culture and you start to realize you can do whatever the fuck you want
0: you can have whatever you are you can you can wear what you want you can have sex you can enjoy the hell out of yourself it's (laughs) all of it absolutely for how long has life felt like that for you well it just it just keeps getting better
1: and better and better so when I was experiencing that like that period of time where I was recovering from surgery and then ended up with vertigo, that was like, it felt like explosions, like my body expanded and my brain and my spirit was expanding. And I'd had this sort of metaphysical experience where I had this profound sensation that my physical body that I was inhabiting was an allegory to this spiritual Size I was meant to embody in this, and I I don't actually even talk about that that much. But it was huge in shifting my thinking about like whether or not my body was a was allowed, right? And not only is it allowed, it's powerful. When people see me, it's not hard to see that I am also quite free. But I live in a body that we're used to people seeing shame walk around in bodies like mine, and they there's just shame. It just it's hard not to because of how much conditioning we've been taught about fatness but I just don't have that I don't have that
0: energy and so people interact with me and they I'm not easy to forget do <laughs> people just not know what to do with you if you don't kind of obey that that
1: well I mean
0: expected shame
1: I don't know if they if they I'm not having those kinds of conversations with strangers the humans mm-hmm. that are in that are close to me, like they just see me, you know, I'm, I'm a full human person. I do have this deep spiritual practice, but like I have hard days too. And I have sad days and I reach out for support when I need it. I get frustrated with my kids and I complain about that. So yeah, it's just the humans that are in my life really see me. And then when I'm out in the world, I just don't live. I just am not anticipating. I remember living in a way where I anticipated hostility for the body I lived in. And I felt hostility. Now I just don't anticipate hostility directed towards me. It just doesn't occur to me anymore. I don't know how, except that it was all this self-compassion, but this very dramatic shift is I can move through the world and I'm not anticipating hostility. I just assume that I get to be treated with the amount of dignity and love and care that I treat myself with. And if that doesn't happen to be the case where someone doesn't treat me the way I want to or expect to be treated, it just doesn't wreck me like it would have before. Mm -hmm. It just is like, oh, that's an anomaly. Like, I'm sorry, that person is just they must be having a rough time. Like how sad that they would feel the need to project their shit onto me. It's very clear to me that that's their shit. It's not my shit.
0: I'm good. Right. Because the self-compassion has kind of, it's sunk in and made you kind of unstoppable. Yeah. And what's funny is like
1: unstoppable how, because I, I have a lot of limitations living in my body. I have a lot of limitations moving through the world. Like my body doesn't fit in most public seating. So I've had to like, I've had to do the both end of doing this internal work of, I know that I'm allowed to exist in the world with full dignity. And I, I'm also someone with ADHD. And so sometimes I have low executive functioning, which means I can be overwhelmed with the amount of extra labor that's required for me to like, make sure that that restaurant I want to go to with my friends is going to have seating that's going to work for my body. And so I've been able to like my circle of friends and people I date, I've been able to, invite them into this sort of tender space of hey, would you actually help do some of the labor here? And I was pretty tentative about it at first because it felt really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And they were so happy to. They were just so happy to. They were like, that is okay, Catherine. We love your presence in our life. And of course we're going to try to streamline this and make it less hard for you. You shouldn't have to work this hard, just to go out and be in the world. Yeah. And so it is the both and mm-hmm. both things are at once I am unstoppable and this world is still not built for to welcome
0: a body like mine I have to do a lot of extra labor which is terrifically difficult but how nice (laughs) that you can like share this with friends who will then go out and advocate and take care of everything alongside you you don't have to do it on your own Yeah. Yeah. It's a really beautiful thing. I think the work of
1: getting free and liberation is an internal spiritual work. And then what happens is we get to see it lived out in human relationships because we are social creatures and we're it's got to be the both and we're not meant to be alone alone um, most of us aren't. And so, yeah. And then that was just a really, that took some compassion too. It was very tender. When I first started saying out loud to my friend circles, like I want to be out in the world a little more. And I'm noticing I'm saying no to invitations because it will be too hard. And then I'm like, Oh, actually I can ask for help. Turns out asking for help is its own kind of superpower. Yeah. And culturally again, especially in Western cultures, we have been taught not to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Don't impose on people. Don't Uh have needs. Don't. (laughs) That's terrific. Out of interest, who were the fat liberation people that you read for inspiration? Yeah. Who's in your community now that you? Let's see. So Sonia Renee Taylor's work was really impactful to me
1: and the book, The Body is Not an Apology. Um, I really liked what I read from the author who wrote Shrill and now Lindsay. Lindy. Lindy and Baker, the land author. author. Yes. I can't remember her first name. I can't remember it either. Yes, <laughs> Baker. There we go. Yeah. So, and then I just started following like the hashtags on Instagram. Instagram was really helpful in my evolution as well because I love how you can just follow hashtags like disability justice and fat liberation, haze. So all of that was really impactful. So it became like this big, beautiful soup of just taking in everything that was sort of out there and allowing it to change how I thought about things.
0: I love that. A big, beautiful soup because Instagram can also be like a treacherous shark infested ocean.
1: I think of like curating our feet too. I mean, it can be, but like, I think that internet has served me so well because I just, social media is, (laughs) can reflect back to us our own energy sometimes. And, And whatever you're drawn to or attracted to, you can, you can unfollow shit and start following the stuff that makes you actually feel good. So it doesn't have to be, that it doesn't have to be that.
0: No, I love my little haze bubble that I have on Insta and social media. Speaking of which, that's how I found you. Because I think I was scrolling through uh, Be Nourished, their feed, Hilary and Dana, and I saw this amazing picture of Lady, and it was just lit up with flowers. In, uh-huh. uh, and, and it was glowing like literally like no shit glowing and I was like I just stopped and I'm like that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and then um so since then I was trying to find it and I couldn't find it anywhere <laughs> and then I found you and looked through your feed and your art and it mm-hmm. was like it was like how I think self-compassion looks like in art like mm-hmm. uh, I can't explain it very well, but it's like it, it it moved me in my in my body. It was so beautiful. Mm. To and that's why I, I kind of tracked you down and <laughs> finally found the beautiful painting, which is going to be up in my new office, which ironically the new office uh, is called Flourish at Kirribilli. Wow. Yeah, and and then the I- idea is that it's a big beautiful uh like greenhouse full of plants and growth mm. and and you know embiggening for mm-hmm. for people and so I wanted to fill it full of like art that showed that and mm-hmm. that painting that i had seen is called flourishing so I can't wait to put it up there and But yep. I just yeah I just want to talk about your art because it's just like mind-bogglingly awesome
1: <laughs> how long have you been doing it not that long. I started really making body art, uh, figurative art, in 2018. I was sort of dabbling in 2017. I was sort of experimenting. I, I uh, was 38. I'm 44, almost 44 now, but I was 38 before I could even call myself an artist. It just was things where again we have these limiting ideas sometimes, like the idea that I was an artist felt like so gatekeepy, Like I wasn't fancy. I'm just a pot. I so. Yeah. So I was 38 and I was like, oh my God, I've been like calling myself crafty my whole life. But like the truth is, is that I am an artist. And then when I, like I said, I described how in the same window of time I had this lipidema diagnosis, this chronic illness, and there's no cure. So my body will continue to evolve. And then they're just like, by the way, all of our bodies are continuing to evolve. We're in a constant of change. And then fat liberation that I was allowed to take up space and inhabit the body I lived in. And I needed a way to marry these two ideas just to make peace with the fact that this is a reality of my life. My body is going to stay this way and progress. So up until that point, I just constantly was believing that like someday I would lose all the weight, you know, like most of us think, you know, so I had to decide, nope, if that never happens for me, I'm going to live my best life. So making art was the bridge. And it was like, I wanted to see myself depicted beautifully in art and media. And so I just started playing around with it. And it's interesting because, you know, you referenced the image flourishing and you said painting. It's actually not really a painting. It's digital.
0: um, It's digital. I have no idea when it comes.
1: But we have these iPhones, right? And there's all these apps on there. I literally make all this art on my phone. Yeah. Sometimes I, I like the aesthetic of mixed media. And so sometimes I'll do like, I'll, I'll, I'll do like mixed media art like an abstract sort of thing and then I can like take a photo of it and I can layer it into a silhouette but yeah we have all this software now where you can just like take a photo and then like strip away everything that's not the the silhouette and then I can layer and layer and layer I can create a background I can do all these things and I just pull an image in and out of like 16 different phone apps you know and it was just play it's something I can do while laying down it's it doesn't require any art supplies that my kids are going to make a fucking mess out of. <laughs> that is it amazing. Was, yeah. And it really helped me get into a state of flow where I could be like listening to an audiobook and then like playing on my phone, making something beautiful. Here's the other interesting thing is that in like summer of 2018, I started my Instagram and I was like, I'm going to make new art every day. I'm going to post something every single day. And I did that for six months straight. And there is really something powerful about adding creativity to whatever our work is. Like, what are you working on in your life, human? Like, what's the thing that is asking for your attention, right? Is it, is it body issue stuff? Then find a creative outlet for that. It could be poetry. It could be you know, writing short stories. It can be visual arts. It could be clay. Um, I have this sculpture of myself that I made with, Oh, I wonder if I can remember their name. There's this other, like the activist who I think is from Australia, actually.
0: Yes. yes. And my God, what is happening to my brain? It's six. A.m. Ashley Bennett. It's Ashley Bennett from at body image underscore therapist.
1: So she's delightful and it was really fun to go to her class in San Francisco and a bunch of us were in there with clay molding our our own forms. And it was powerful to lovingly touch this clay, to like fill in where, where all of these fat rolls are, you know, the volume of my big belly it was just powerful so whatever creative creative outlet you're attracted to adding creativity to whatever your work is somehow i think unleashes huge amounts of energy mm. you know yeah. it just opens us up in ways that i don't think just thinking about things could ever
0: yeah i think you're you've nailed it it's regular, you're regularly visiting that place and reinforcing it. But like finding, just sort of intuitively finding this way of doing it, just, yeah, it just it shines out of it. Like, mm-hmm. you, I've never, I don't think I've seen art before which embodies self compassion, this stuff that you've done. It's, it's amazing. Mm. Oh, I just love it. And I love how you've paired it with compassionate phrases like be gentle with you yeah, yeah yeah and I love fat trans queer loved just yeah full of love it's just incredible and I particularly yeah I'll just keep gushing if I keep looking <laughs> I just <laughs> encourage everyone to, to go and and look at it so this is really like a it's it is like a love story of you and your body yeah like, it really is do.
1: well okay so maybe right like I My relationship with my body meant that my spiritual worldview shifted a great deal. How I interact with the world around me changed. It also meant that I ended a long term marriage that wasn't exactly a terrible marriage or anything. It just, we didn't resonate with each other anymore. I was no longer a Christian. That was really important to him. And as soon as I knew that that marriage was over, I was like, oh my God, I'm queer. Of course. How did I not know that? You know? And so I spent so many decades in purity culture, I just was prohibited from exploring my own sexuality. And so one of the things about being a late bloomer is the temptation to, to feel like I've missed out on a lot of stuff. And again, like I felt all those feelings. I gave myself a lot of compassion. It would have been amazing to be having lots of gay sex when I was in my twenties, but that wasn't my experience. And so the cool thing is, is that I, I, get to be a sexual being today in the body that I inhabit, but as also as a person who's incredibly self-aware, who has great communication skills, who is emotionally intelligent. And so I'm navigating dating almost as if I'm a preteen or a teenager, but also I have all of this wealth,
0: right? Of Internal self-knowledge and self-compassion. So that's going to make it like much more enjoyable than usual teen experiences. It is. I'm having a
1: fucking blast. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that every day I go on is amazing. A lot of them are amazing. I'm also very interested in non-traditional relationship models. So I'm practicing solo polyamory. Another way, another interesting thing to read about is something called relationship anarchy, which is just brilliant. It's just asking us to challenge all of these beliefs about what relationships are supposed to be and gender roles. And yeah, like expectations we might have on a dynamic with another person. You actually get to invent that you and that person get to make that up as you go, it gets to serve both of you. And it can be like anything you want it to be. I love that. I love the freedom of turning everything on its head. Like the, like no ex- yeah there's no external expectations on what my relationship with any one person needs to be I get to decide that they get to decide that with me so yeah so I, I right out of the gate you know we're I came out as queer during the pandemic and then once uh, enough of us were vaccinated I'm out here dating dating a lot <laughs>
0: <laughs> a fucking good time I'm yeah, yeah. it's not easy to date in a pandemic and um, yeah, like the, wow, this is all so new. It is right new. Riding
1: wave. <laughs> I'm riding this very big wave. Well, okay. So, also one of the things that I've learned is that scarcity is a capitalist construct, and it it fucks us up pretty bad. But we apply scarcity to everything. We definitely apply it to dating, and it just doesn't feel true anymore. Like people are coming out of the fucking woodwork to be like, "Hey, how you doing?" Uh, and I'm like, "Yeah, let's go on a date." Huh? <laughs> me and the body I inhabit am a desired person that feels amazing. That feels amazing.
0: Wow. That is, yeah. The power of not limiting yourself. Yeah. And just like, that's the other kind of word that came to mind looking at your art is abundance. Yeah. Yeah. It feels so much better to live in this space. And I want to be
1: really careful to, to say, it's not that I am in an elated state of being constantly, Mm. I really do have access to this like really high, high frequency sensation of joy and pleasure and abundance. But also I still am inhabiting a human body that um, has chronic pain, that experiences big fatigue. I've had relationships end in a way that really hurt my feelings and I've been afraid of things here and there too you know and so it's just that in those times now I don't judge myself harshly I can experience very very big fatigue and just decide that everything I wanted to get done that day isn't going to get done mm-hmm. and I'll go alone, and I will just rest and do whatever I need to do
0: to get through that particular window you know a- what would of- you offer yourself then how do you stay compassionate? in a moment like that? Well, what's interesting
1: is that that's taken a while because I remember even just, I don't know, eight months ago, I would have a a fatigue spell. And sometimes it would last up to like five days where it's just super hard to function for days. And the first day or two, I could be like, that's all right. I'm just going to roll with it. And then if it went on beyond that, it would start to feel scary because our brains have a tendency to be like, oh my God, this is my life now. And what I started to see, though, was on the other side of a hard window, I felt more free somehow. And I don't know how to explain that. It's just sometimes we go through a hard time and then coming up out of it, there's just some kind of lift. And that had happened enough times that I started to trust it. So several weeks ago, I had a rough spell and I didn't have that panic feeling. I just remembered like, oh, I've been through this before. Like on the other side, I'm just going to feel more powerful. So in the wow. t- yeah, in the time while I'm experiencing, while I feel like really low energy, I just lay down as much as I needed to. Like my body is like, this is what's going to happen. This is how much rest we need and stop trying to qualify it. Like, I feel like I rest more than any human I've ever met. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Really? More? How much more could I need? And my body's like, it don't it doesn't need to be qualified like that. Like it's not about comparing it to other people. Like like you're going to need to lay down and rest some more. And so then I just keep myself occupied by listening to audiobooks or playing on my phone or uh, meditating or whatever I want to do. That's a really powerful thing too. I stopped doing things that I was supposed to do. I literally only do what I want to do.
0: I love this
1: there's some, some amount of privilege that comes with that, you know, like I'm separated. So I, I don't have to live with my my ex anymore, but I was a stay-at-home parent before. And so I get to still, you know, with child support and whatnot, I still get to like live as a stay-at-home parent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have my art that I do and other things occupy my day and my time. I'm not, needing to work 40 hours a week in order to live in the world so I recognize that as as a great privilege I I get to have but that being said I still think being free on the inside is what's making me free you know what I mean yeah yeah
0: much more I remember being at one of Hillary and Dana's retreats in 2016 and talking about how like it was it was for embodiment to Mm -hmm. be an embodied practitioner Mm -hmm. about trying to get out of like the crowded city of our brain and down into the wilderness of our body uncharted territory but and I remember us talking about that's where the freedom is it's down there and it's not not verbal it's sort of felt yeah yeah and
1: I would say that like I said I've been explaining who I am as a person, as someone who's quite spiritual, but, and that's true. But what I started to see is that in some spiritual communities, they would talk down about the body. They would say like, oh, this meat sack that we're in, you know, like mm-hmm. your body, is not who you really are. You are not your body. And I don't agree with that at all. Mm-hmm. I think our bodies are fucking magic. They hold so much intense wisdom. They will talk to us and teach us things. Our bodies have held all of our trauma. Our whole lives just held it, just waiting for us to be ready to look at it again. And it has only ever been kind to us. And even when it's not working well, or it's, or there's pain, or any of those things, it's not out to get you. It's just trying to get your attention. And when we can turn into it and and listen and believe that it's our friend, um, I feel like it's it's multiverses within ourselves, like unending amounts of wisdom and love and compassion, all in this physical form that we inhabit. Even if you just think about DNA, like our fucking DNA is ancient. You know what I mean? There's studies that talk about how like trauma can be passed down in your DNA, like the stories that your body has. The it's way more powerful than we give it credit for often. And so when we live our lives where we're not ruled completely by our minds, but we actually get to make decisions based on how does it feel in my body when I think about doing this thing. If we literally do the things that only make our body feel like ah, expansive and open, right, and relaxed. Oh my God! Your life will change. If you're constantly doing things, your body's like, oh, dread, dread. I don't want to. I'm going to make myself. Yeah. Nope.
0: Nope. It doesn't serve you. No. This is an amazing conversation. I knew this would be an amazing conversation. <laughs> There's so much in everything that you're saying, and it's learning how to do that. I think that's difficult for people because, like you said, we're so we're so kind of um, stuck in our heads, and so scared. And often, you know, I think it's that fear response that's in our body that stops us getting down or trauma cuts us off. So it is really interesting that you come to it in your late thirties and you come to it in a moment, like when your body just sort of calls it a day almost and says, (laughs) "Look, lie down for a few weeks. We're going to (laughs) have, you're going to have to just be with me. Yeah. There's an
1: account I follow on Instagram called the nap ministry. And I can't remember who is in charge of it, but this really powerful black woman. And I just want to say too, like, as a white woman and the privilege that I embody, there, like, the kind of freedom that I get to live in is absolutely because of the work of Black women and femmes and Indigenous people. Like, I'm really grateful for all the labor and the work that they've done to help kind of illuminate the path forward. And so, this particular person who has the Instagram, the NAP Ministry, they started, they just blew my mind when they talked about like rest as revolution. Capitalism has really indoctrinated us with the idea that our worth is connected to our labor or our productivity. And then we live in systems that you literally can't live unless you do labor for often someone else. And that's really wrong. Human beings are not designed for that. That's a system that we all have grown up in and it's impacted how we think about ourselves. There was a time where human beings existed without having to go to work and labor in order to just stay alive. So to nap being napping, being resistance to those capitalist ideas was a revolutionary idea to me. And that rest was how we honored all the people that went before us that weren't allowed to rest. And it absolutely, I really do credit my body stopping working and requiring so much rest with my ability to disconnect with these systems Mm. that, control our thinking. You know what I mean? So I was out in the world less because I was in my bed napping more. And what that meant is I was spending more time in my own energy and the things that I was just naturally feeling curious about. And then I could follow my curiosity to the next step and the next step. You know, in a spiritual paradigm, you might say like your higher self is always going to guide you towards enlightenment if that resonates with you. So but I would also say that my body had a very fucking key role in that my body was the one that arrested me and got my attention my body demanded rest and I said okay and before I said okay I spent years pushing through like most of us do like you you like buckle in you like buck up you push through and and that's fucking stupid we don't have to do that anymore you know what I mean the idea that you were good because you hurt your body in order to achieve some task is really stupid we don't have to do that anymore we don't have to hurt ourselves anymore we can be kind to ourselves.
0: Rest is revolutionary. I love that. Absolutely yeah. love that. And I think, especially now, you know, the last two years have been pretty shit for most people on the planet. And we have, as I don't know if this happened over there, but as we're coming out here in Australia, there's a lot of like exhaustion and a lot of anxiety coming back into a you know, fear of what's going to happen next. And mm-hmm. People do need to rest more. Yeah. You know, we can get these messages, like you said, from the structures and systems that we need to kind of pull up our socks and, you know, lose the COVID kilos and, you know, whatever. Which right. is, it's just, and I'm finding for my clients that 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 kind of message of like, let's get back to normal, just doesn't resonate as much. Is maybe we've had a bit more time to spend in reflection. Normal was very toxic. It really was. Normal has never been
1: good or kind to human individuals. It has served these that are oppressive, and that's all. And I think the pandemic forcing most of us to slow down to some degree, it means that we get to become disillusioned with how it was really shit before too. And no, I'm not fucking going back to that. No, thank you. No, we're gonna create something new. A lot of the kind of things that I'm listening to and reading about now is, is all anti-capitalist stuff. And the the idea that we're in late-stage capitalism is a pretty widespread spread idea at this point. And so how are we going to cope with that? How are we going to cope with the end of capitalism? Those of us who are adults now are probably, I don't know that it's going to be easier, or fun. And again, like that's why, that's why we have to do the internal work of like, I'm actually okay, no matter what, I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to be really fucking gentle with myself because I don't know what the future holds. And sometimes uncertainty can be very scary. And again, we can offer ourselves compassion for that. But the truth is, the more I live in a state of genuine compassion for myself, I'm very present in this exact moment. And, you know, that's a spiritual practice that most of us have heard about, like be present, be present. And it, it didn't resonate until I started to live in a state of compassion. And it, it's not that I'm trying to be present. I just am. I just am here. I'm just present with myself because I'm so kind to myself. I don't have to escape into the future to think it'll be better then. Yeah. Oh my god, I spent years thinking it'll be better then when my body is smaller. I would escape into the future all the time. I don't do that anymore. My my life is beautiful because I am so fucking kind to myself. And when I am this kind to myself, somehow the world is just way less hostile. And it doesn't mean there's not still a fucking ton of unknowns. I'm just not afraid of the unknown anymore. Just
0: you're amazing. That was that everything you just said is just brilliant. <laughs> so inspiring. I'm, um, yeah, I, no matter what, just keep, keep doing what you're doing because you're, you are like your art. You're just like glowing. It's amazing. Thank
1: you. And the thing that just I kind of want to reiterate is like, I know I can speak eloquently about some of these things. I am very human too, right? There's the both and, but if I can come to this state of being, that means it's available. Like the amount of freedom that I get to live in. I realized a long time ago that I kind of wanted to be of service to the world in some way. You know, I was in vocational ministry and the world who I was a part of really made perpetuated this savior complex. Right. And then I had religious trauma and I had like childhood trauma and I was definitely someone who was codependent for a lot of years, was codependent in my relationship with my, my spouse. And I feel like I've lived a very normal life, but I've, I've started to taste freedom. And then the freedom just brought more freedom. And then that freedom brought even greater freedom. And so I would very much like to say that existing as I am in the world now, it feels like it's accessible to people like being alive and free in the body. I inhabit might convince someone else that, Oh my God, what if I could be more free too? And now I no longer feel like it's my job to save anyone. It's just not like, I really trust people on their journey. Like I trust you to follow your own curiosity and see what that, what path that takes you on. But I being free in the world, I think perpetuates the idea that freedom is available to all of us.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why it's so lovely to speak to you and to know that this conversation gets listened to by so many people. Cause I think, this part like of like finding that freedom through self-compassion connected to your body specifically and inhabiting I think that's a bit that's really tough for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and it's a bit that we can get stuck on like we can kind of talk about I I love fat liberation and I love haze and I love anti-diet but I still don't feel okay in my body like I still can't really accept it I don't inhabit it let alone freedom in it, let alone expand. Yeah. What you're talking about is, I guess, perseverance with that compassion until it doesn't feel like a a neat trick, but it feels like it's the portal. And then, and then you just sort of go down and inhabit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, our brains do change, right? So like, it's the default. It wasn't always, it took some time and I didn't make myself do it like this was really born out of the, the when I realized I was only going to do what I wanted to do. And so my meditative practice is really like when I'm laying in my bed, I'll just take some deep breaths and I'll let my brain just sort of wander. I don't like any kind of dogma or high structure at all. Some of that might be my PhD, but also I spent decades in a lot of fundamentalism. And so there was so much dogma. So This is me sort of pushing all the way to the other extreme and it has served me. And I think the big message for anyone who's listening would be like, like, find out what serves you by following your curiosity and what you actually want. Sometimes we don't even know what we want because we're not embodied enough, but then you can try this little fun game of like, think of something that you might want and then see how it feels in your body. Does it feel expansive when you take a deep breath? Do you feel like room or does it feel tight? And so then we start to ask our body questions. Our body has our own individual truth. It really, really does. And what happens, you start to check in with your body more and more, then you are sort of guided in your life. Eventually it's not a, it's not something you have to think about. It just happens. And then
0: you will lead yourself to whatever is your best life. That is so cool. It's like the difference between thinking And knowing in your body, it's that language of knowing in your body or not the language, but it's that experience of knowing in your body that when they say, that is a cool trick.
1: Yeah. They, they live in concert now, you know, so like our brains have been very subject to conditional Uh, cultural programming. Mm. Our brains are really susceptible to that, right? Because human beings want to belong and society tells you, these are the things you got to do to belong. And so you want to belong so you can form, right? And then when you are not in relationship with your body, again, that's why anti-fatness is such a destructive force because it separates us from our body and it makes controlling your body, the objective and your, your body is not to be controlled. It's just to be loved and enjoyed and to be, to to be honored. So yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways we can just very gently. It doesn't have to happen overnight, but just a little gentle check in. Like you just happen to be eating a meal and you just realize, oh, I'm gonna take some deep breaths. I'm gonna breathe really deep into my belly, and I'm gonna experience this one bite of food and just relish every bit of pleasure. I'm gonna feel it go down into my body, mm. you know. And then you you'll start to see you'll just do that a little bit more and more. And like you can heal the relationship with your body by just like actively engaging with it a little bit more and a little bit more until it becomes
0: something you you do without thinking so lovely and all of that is stuff that we're not encouraged to do even a belly breath yeah oh gosh you know don't let your stomach pop out (laughs) or you know eating and feeling pleasure like honestly pleasure and eating is not something Mm -hmm. we even like it's not on the radar yeah yeah, yeah. these Things are radical, but so simple. And what is it that, that Dana and Hillary talk about body trust is our birthright. It
1: is, mm. it is our birthright. And you know, most of us have been around small children. They do not feel self-conscious in their bodies. Someone told me that they were having Thanksgiving dinner with a three-year-old. They were sitting next to the three-year-old and the three-year-old was going, mm, mm, mm. and so they were laughing about how like it almost sounded like orgasmic sounds from this toddler who, you know, hasn't been socially conditioned right yet. Right. And yes. hopefully they can live without, without that, you know, that other stuff limiting their experience in the world. Yeah. I'll have what I, having, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So as a parent myself, that's the thing I teach my kids more than anything is bodily autonomy and to make decisions based on what
0: feels right to them in their body. Yeah. That feels yeah. like if I can give them. I couldn't agree more and that, 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 that connects to so many other experiences. It really does. Yeah. What a terrific conversation you are. I'm so grateful for you to come on and talk to, to me about all of this today and I'm going to continue buying your work. So
1: <laughs> thank you. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure for letting me share. And I really, really love talking about these things and thank you for getting up early so that the timing worked and all of that. Thank you for reaching out and finding me
0: and I'm really delighted. Uh, right back at you. Thank you what did I tell you is this an incredible interview and an amazing individual or what I tell you what I could not stop thinking about that conversation for days afterwards Catherine's experience and way of expressing everything through their art it's just mind-blowing so look I'm a bit spent I'm sure you are too I feel a little part of me feels like lighting up a cigarette and just laying back and just enjoying the afterglow of that conversation. Thank you so much, Catherine, for coming on and blowing all of our minds at a time when we really, really need some awesomeness. Thank you so much for delivering. If you, like me, are fascinated and a bit blown away by everything Catherine related, look at their Instagram, which is fat underscore mystic underscore art and go to the Etsy shop and buy everything which is kind of what I want to do as well the Etsy shop is fat mystic and there's just so much terrific stuff there so look thank you everybody and thank you Catherine look we're going to sign off now and it's it's into the end of the year we go be very very careful everyone because like I said it's diet culture high season the weight loss wolves after us um, remember that your body is awesome magical mystical and not something to Feel ashamed about. There's just so much awesomeness sitting right here, right now. Okay. So look, everyone, I hope you take really, really good care of yourselves. And I hope that there's some kind of break coming for most of us. I know I'm going to have a rest. I'm going to be back and absolutely raring to go early next year. um, We've got some, like I said, some really cool news and big news coming. But this All Fired Up podcast is going nowhere. You're going to be hearing from me a lot so uh, I'm very very pumped and excited so look look after yourself everyone and I'll see you in the new year in the meantime trust your body think critically push back against diet culture untrap from the crap